If you got your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians. This will be this morning. This is um, finally, and you know, if you've been here the last two weeks, this is the message we've been trying to finish up the last couple weeks. Um, we're in the third week of a series called Planted. So we'll be in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Um, so I, I get it. You know, some of y'all, this is your first time here. It's like, great, third week of a three-week series. Fantastic. So let me just kind of, let's wrap up kind of where we've been. The first week we asked a question, um, does God even care if we're planted? If, does he even want us to be planted? Um, and if, if we are, then what happens when we are? And here was the takeaway. We try to, here at the gathering, we try to have a big idea every week because that way if you don't remember anything I say, you can at least get that one sentence. And so the big idea in that first week was this. We begin to grow up when we put our roots down. And so, um, you know, we talked about, man, stay-at-home sons and stay-at-home daughters and people that you just want them to grow up. And sometimes it's all about putting your roots down, and that's when you start to grow up. Um, the second week... We learned this, you can't be a part of the body if you live apart from the body. And that was a tough one, okay, because this is America, right? So we're independent, we're like, we do it on our own, and we talked that week about how that's not biblical. God did not call us to be independent, even though as Americans we love to be independent. So we like to, you know, if I don't like what you're doing, I'll just go do it myself. And that, you know, lots of times we, we separate ourselves. We don't want to be a part of anything in a church or anywhere, any organization. And so we find ourselves at some point totally separated, totally alone, and then we don't know how we got there. And we got there because we made a decision at one point, I'm just not going to be a part of a body. And you can't be a part of the body if you live apart from the body. So today we're going to finish this up um, in Ephesians chapter 3. Let's just read 14 to 21, and then we'll get going. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, Paul says, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And that's an awesome little statement right there. I mean, if I just told you to close your eyes right now and imagine the best thing God could ever do for you, what would it be? And according to that verse, whatever you imagine, it has to be better than that. Because he can do better than we can ever ask or imagine. I love that. Some of you are like, Disney World? I just want to go to Disney World. That'd be awesome. Disney Cruise. I want to be on TV. What? He could do so much more. Some of you are really, really spiritual. And so you would close your eyes and you would think, I just I want to see hundreds saved. That's awesome, right? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like, I don't see people get saved all the time. So a hundred would be cool. According to this verse, he wants to save millions through you, more than you could ever ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, verse 21 says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
So now, first, the first point, number one, just says this. What we do down here isn't just about down here. What we do down here isn't just about down here. It starts with the first three words that we read, verse 14, for this reason. So you have to ask the question, for what reason? I mean, why is Paul writing this stuff? And the answer is found in verse 10. What's so important that it moved Paul to pray for us to have strength for the, for, and power, more of an understanding? And it's because Paul knew a secret. He knew that there was something supernatural about planting yourself in a church. Look at verse 10. Paul says this, his and his is God. He says, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That word manifold, really big word. Smart people know what it means. I think for me it just means that's a lot of wisdom. Okay? Like if you meet a really smart person, like, you know, if you want to get an A in your class, you just say, oh, wise professor. Holder of manifold wisdom. You're like, yeah, I like you. A, right? You're like, I don't even know what manifold means. I thought it was a, I thought it was a car part, <laughs> you know? means a lot of wisdom. So let's just look. Take out the words through the church, okay, in verse 10. Let's just read it like this. God's intent was that now the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's what he wants to have happen. He wants everybody to know, not just what we can see, but even in realms in the heavens that we can't see, he just wants them to know he's got a lot of wisdom. He's, a, he's got total wisdom. And the question is this, who, what's his plan for making that known? What does he want to use to make it known? It's the three words that we just took out. He wants to do that through the church. He plans on doing that through the church. So our choice to be planted in a body of Christ sends a message to an invisible realm. It, not like we attended church or anything. Just our, to be planted in a local body, according to verse 10, sends a message to an invisible realm that you and I cannot even see. Now, everybody look at me. Take a deep breath. I'm fixing to make you move, okay? Are you okay with that? Yeah. We've never done this before, but it's going to be fun. Here's what I want you to do. I just want you, if you're sitting at a table, you've already got your group, right? But I want you kind of maybe getting like five or six people. Make sure you're with people that you know, you feel a little bit comfortable, okay? Because you're going to have to talk a little bit. I want you to get in groups of five or six people. I just want you to do one thing for me. In your group, I want you to talk about just come up with three words that describe the local church. Can you do that? And they could be good words or bad words. Like maybe if I'm doing a bad job right now, one of your words might be boring. Okay? I'm okay with that. I mean, we'll, we'll take you out, but I'm okay with that. So I want you just to get, go ahead, and it's going to be harder for you guys in the rows because you have to kind of move a little bit. But just I want you to take a couple minutes and just go ahead and talk. I'm giving you permission to talk out loud in church. Three words that describe the local church from your perspective and your experience. Now, those are good words, though. I like all those words. Family, diverse, guidance. Yes? Oh, relationship instead of religion. Four really good words. I like that. Okay, I'm going to go the last word to the most beautiful woman in the room which I'm going to say my wife, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> and she is. Go ahead, Wendy. Go hit her. Just, just hit her. We want to be real. We want to... 
we want to be real here. Somebody said real. So at this point, you can't even be like, oh, I love you, sister. You have to be like, you took my answer. Bam, right? <laughs> okay. So um, a lot of different words to describe church, right? And so from this passage, I want you, I don't, there's no blank, I don't think, for you to write this down, but just on your note page, whatever, I want you to write one word. I want you to remember this word. When you think of church, I want you to think of this word. I want you to write down the word supernatural. Okay, supernatural. What do I mean when I say what we do down here isn't just about down here? It's that the local church, we think of it in such natural terms. But what we just read in verse 10 is that God's intent is that through the church, his unbelievable wisdom would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms which means this according to ephesians 6 there are princes and powers and powers that are not of this world okay they are our enemies it means that when we become planted in the church something supernatural happens it sends a message to those powers that we can't see and we all thought the church was just about getting your money but it's not. It sends a supernatural message to powers that we cannot even see. When you're getting, you're going through it, like we could take all morning long and I could say, who's going through it right now? What are you facing? You know, Phil talked about that. We're singing overcome. What do, you need, what do you need to overcome in your life? All of us come into church. If we're honest, we've all, we've all brought stuff in here, right? We got stuff on our minds. Um, we're thinking about them right now. And if I'm a good enough communicator, every now and then I snap you back into the room. Oh, that's right. Focus on what the guy's saying. But then you go back to that thing. Maybe it's a bill that you have to pay and you don't have money for. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's one of those lost family members. Whatever it might be, um, it's so easy to, to think about that and forget that, you know what your greatest strategy is in defeating that power? According to this verse, your greatest strategy is to get planted in a church. Because when you get planted in a church, it sends a message in the supernatural. It sends a message. Membership sends a message. There's something supernatural in the very natural decision to be planted in the body. And so your second point says the message. What is the message that it sends? It sends this message to the supernatural. To the supernatural message, it sends this. God is able. That's the message. That's the message that the local church sends. That when we get planted in the church, it sends that message to the unseen realm. God is able. Choosing to be planted sends that message. What Paul realized, what he wants us to realize, is that membership in other groups is good, but it will never be good enough. How many of you are in a club? Like the running club. I know we got a lot of runners here. I love runners because I am one. Um, anybody go to Rotary? Maybe you go to the Optimist Club. Um, anybody in a bingo club? Okay, we're, our church hasn't grown to that age yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, can we start a curling club? That would be awesome. That's my favorite sport in the Winter Olympics. It's a little, they get the brooms out and stuff. And 
I just think that's so cool. Um, well, you can be in lots of clubs. You know, when I was in high school, you every, there's all these different clubs. You got the chess club, and then you got the nerd club. It wasn't an official club, but we all who knew who they were. Um, it's not bad to be in clubs, right? And we've talked all this all the way through this planted series. We've talked about the fact that being a part of something is good, right? Nobody really wants to be alone. And so a lot of times what we do is we think, I don't really need the church because they're full of hypocrites. They're not real. It's a little stuffy. The guy's talking, and I don't really know what he's saying. And not only do I not know what he's saying, I don't even know what to do with what he's saying. Even if I could understand it, I don't know what to do with it. So I'm not going to be, I don't want to have anything to do with the church. I'll go find my community in another club. Do any kind of research on gangs. That's why gangs grow. Because you feel like it's family. Right up until you want to get out. Right up until you say no more. And then they're not family. Now they're going to kill you. That's what happens. Do you do study cults? They've got the wrong message, but they've got the right method. They bring you in and make you feel like you've got a connection. The problem with all of those clubs is that they can never send the message that God is able they can only send the message that we like you. I like you. Something about you just seems, uh, you're cool. Why don't you be a part of our club? Just $15 a year annual fee. And you can be in. We'll give you snacks. And you kind of go, this is, I like this. But that's as far as they can go. That's as far as they can go. The number one reason why being planted in those places will never be good enough is because they don't have the capacity to reveal God's redemption. What, what does God reveal through the church to the world that he's able? Look at um, verse 3. Let's just read I mean, chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are for your glory. Here's what God's able to do. This is the message he wants to send to the world through you being planted in a local church. And I know I'm blowing your mind because nobody thinks like of church membership like this, okay? They think church membership, I'm on the roll, which means once a year I can vote out the bad pastor. That is how we think of church membership. And if I don't like the way the current pastor preaches, I just won't give money. But church membership has nothing to do with that stuff at all. Church membership sends a message to the world that God is able to do three things, and here they are. He's able to redeem us. The wisdom of God that verse 10 talks about was the cross. That was the wisdom of God. His eternal purpose was us for His glory. Redemption allows us to approach Him free of sin and free of fear. When we become a part of a body of believers, we send a message to the world. Guess what? God is able to redeem. Look at the person next to you. That's a pretty strong message. Because if you know them, you're thinking, I don't know if he's redeemable. I am all the time, I'm so bad about this, I'm all the time getting like, 
a coupon, you know, like for free a free frosty at Wendy's or something. If you go to you know high school football games on the back of your ticket, you'll probably see a coupon. I'm so bad about I always pull them out the day after they expire. I don't know what what is it with me. I need to pray for me. Cause then you go and you want to get it, and they're like, you can't redeem that. What? What? But 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 but. That's how people know me around town. I'm the guy that goes but 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 but. Please, I just want a frosty. It's expired. God never faces that until you die. He never faces. He never tries to redeem us, and realizes that it's too late. As long as you're breathing, you're redeemable. As long as your friends are breathing, they're redeemable. The message is that God is able to redeem us. He's also able to unite us. God's plan was greater than individual redemption. He wants the redeemed to be together. Ephesians 3.18 May you have power together with all the saints. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I love people that are really smart. And they're so smart, they'll go, I don't go to church. Why don't you go to church? They're all idiots. Really? Yeah, I just like to kind of get by myself and think about God. Awesome. While, while you're doing that, read this verse and think about how you're disobeying him. Because God's goal is not individual redemption. His goal is that we would be the redeemed together. May you have power together with all the saints, unified to grasp his love. The church validates the power of Jesus to destroy what divides us. I'm going to say that again. I don't know if, there's, if that's on your sheet or not, but that's worth writing down, okay? The church validates the power of Jesus to destroy what divides us. Ephesians 2.14 says this, For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. I used to tell my youth group this. They would pick on each other all the time in youth group. I mean, and I'm not talking like, you got body odor. I mean, really, they would tear into each other. I mean, they're talking about tearing character down. And I would look at them and say, you know what? Dude, don't come back. Don't come back. What? You can't say that. You're a pastor. Yeah, I can say that. Because, you know what? Y'all can get that in the cafeteria at school. You want to rip each other apart and tear each other down? Just stay at school. That's what the cafeteria is all about. If you've been in high school, you know. But in the house of God, that's not what we play. Because the house of God is where people who are different come together and actually like each other, love each other. Who said diversity? To me, that's the greatest witness to the world. When it says they will know you're my disciples because you have love one for another, we read that and think, well, of course they had love for each other because they're all like cool middle-class white people. No. No. That doesn't prove anything. Do you remember the verse where Jesus says, if you just love those that like you, what good is that? He says, even the world does that. He says, even pagans do that. I mean, people that don't know Jesus, they love who is like them, right? I mean, in a few weeks, if you go to a Panthers game, you'll see that. All the rich wine and cheese crowd, they like to hang out together. 
But let one person go in there and take their shirt off and go, hoo, 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 hoo. they're getting carried out. <laughs> we, we don't take your kind here. See, it's when you are around people who are not like you and you see that God redeemed you and he redeemed me and he redeemed you and he redeemed you and I don't even like you. And when you start to see that, the world sits up and takes notice of that. Do you know who calls pastors when that happens? Mayors, police chiefs. They call pastors on the phone and say, what are you doing in your church and how can we get that to work in like the general population? That's a, a strong message that he sends through being planted. Now, why don't we have that message in America? Because we don't know what this is like. In America, if I don't like you and you go to church with me, I will just go start another church. I'm going to tell you this. I want to make sure you hear this. We are a church plant. We started this church a year ago. We did not start this church because First Assembly did something that I didn't like. We started this church just to bring the church out of a building and put it where people are. Not because we got mad at them. A lot of churches in this area, if you learn the history of the churches in the area, you'll find that at some point they put carpet in somewhere that was the wrong color. And they got mad and took their ball and played somewhere else. And then we wonder why we don't have the power of God. Then we wonder why the world doesn't really care about our message. You want the people around you to hear the gospel? Shut up and love someone who's different than you. Period. There's that cult thing again. I don't know what's going on, but they like me. All right, so this, I told you there's three things that God can do. The three things are, one, he can redeem us. The message is he's able to redeem, he's able to unite. And here's the third thing, he's able to bring himself glory through us. God wants to do in us what will bring glory to him. Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work, where? In us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. He wants to do something in us that will bring glory to him. His choice for where that glory will be seen is the church. I know you missed it, so I'm going to read it to you again, okay? I love this. Verse 21. To him be glory, where? In the church. God's desire is that the gathering would be filled with people so planted in his love, so full of bold faith, that the testimony of others in this region about our church would be their God is able. Period. Not, man, those dudes built a kicking sanctuary. God, have you heard their sound system? Dude, it rocks. I can't even hear anymore. We're not ever going to have shirts that say, I went deaf at the gathering. Although you might, but we are providing earplugs, so, you know, just to make sure you don't, right? We don't want you to. But that's not, the testimony is not, our pastor's the coolest. 
Our testimony is not we're the richest. We give the most money to missions. We're better than fill in the blank of some other competing church. The testimony, we want people that don't know Jesus to see him so powerful in us that they would say, I don't know what it is about those people at the gathering, but they serve a God who is able, dot, dot, dot. I want that. I don't want to have a God in my pocket that we can control. I want to have a God that we can't control. I want to have a God that we kind of just feel like we lassoed and are hanging on for dear life. Remember the line from Narnia? When the little dude, I can't remember his name, um, Tim, Tim Tumnus, he says, you know, she says, is he, is he safe? And, and he says about, about God, about Aslan, he's not safe, but he is good. That's the God we serve. Forget safe. Forget safe. He wants us to display fruit. That's the fruit that he wants us to be known for. And it can only happen if we put our roots down in redemptive soul. So now we're, we're finally, all this talking, we're at the big idea, okay? So this is at the top of your sheet. Here's the four words. I want you to write these down. These are the words I want you to remember. Our roots determine our fruit. Okay, that's the big idea for today, probably for the whole series. Our roots determine our fruit. And here's why. Now we're talking about science. Roots are like straws, right? They absorb whatever is in the soil around them. So if you want to be a person known for the power of God's redemption, you have to plant yourself in a local body full of redeemed people that celebrate being redeemed more than anything else. Why do Christians look constipated? Why? You've seen them. You just didn't use that word to describe it. They always look mad. You know why? Because they're in a church that has mad soil. Why was our church so happy three weeks ago? Because we watched eight people go down in water and come up new. And you surround yourself with redemptive soil. You put your roots down in that place. And guess what? You start to bear redemptive fruit. Go join a church where they're mad. And give it a year, and guess what you'll be? Mad. You'll be bitter. Go join a church where they don't want to let the new people come in. And guess what you'll be in a year? A bit more snobbish than you were the year that you joined. It's, it's not even spiritual, really. It's just the way that roots work. I don't know if the gathering's where you put your roots down. I hope it is. All I can control is we just want to create a redemptive place where there's redemption happening all the time. I had this conversation with somebody. Like, I, they're struggling in their church. And I said, you know, if I'm you, I'm asking one question. Is your church a place of redemptive soil? And they went, what's that mean? Like, do people ever give their hearts to Jesus? Do marriages get restored? People ever get healed? People leave with hope. That's redemption, right? And they were like, I don't know. I, I, that's what I'm looking for in a church, right? It's just redemptive soil. 
Redemptive soil. If you plant yourself in redemptive soil, you will bear redemptive fruit. You'll absorb the God is able nutrients from the culture, and you'll bear God is able fruit. The culture that you're in is what's going to determine the fruit that you bear. You'll find a growing confidence that comes in God's promise to make all things new. You'll realize that God is able, period. That's the redemptive message of God. It's only found in his church. And we're fixing to move to number three. Have I left any blanks unsaid? Are you good so far? I've got all of them. All right, number three, turning on the light bulb. That just describes me, okay? For me, um, this study's kind of been a light bulb moment. Um, this has been the moment that I have realized just how much Jesus loves the church, how much he gives to the church, and how awesome it is to belong to the church. And let me tell you why. It is the only organization on the planet that God is 100% committed to. The only one. I could ask you now to name ministries, because, I mean, I ran a ministry too. I mean, is God committed to ministries? Sure he is. But there's only one organization on the planet that he is 100% committed to, and it is the local church. You know why? Because it's the only organization that carries the redemptive message of Jesus. Well, uh-uh, that's not true because, like, I've got a favorite preacher on TV and he talks about God saving people all the time. Well, sure he does, but you don't go there, do you? No. So until you're in a body, rubbing elbows with people that are different than you, you can talk about redemption all day long, but this is where the fruit is born, Right? How committed is Jesus to the church? He loved it and died for it, Ephesians 5.25. He's building and protecting it, Matthew 6.18. And he is speaking through it, Ephesians 3.10-12. Let me just repeat those again. How committed is Jesus to the church? Ephesians 5.25 says that he loved it and died for it. He died for the church. Matthew 6, 18 says that he is building the church and he is protecting the church. And Ephesians 3, 10 through 12 says that he is speaking to the world through the church. Now, that should make us sit up and go, man, that's a good thing to be a part of. You should never be ashamed or embarrassed, or embarrassed to be associated with the church because Jesus isn't. Jesus is not up in heaven going, oh, God, I don't want anybody to know that I'm, I'm part of the church. Man, he's, he's, he's died for it. He's building it, protecting it. He's speaking through it. He's never ashamed of the church. He's never ashamed to say, that's my bride. No matter how bad we mess it up, we should never be ashamed either. So let's kind of land this thing. Um, this has been kind of challenging to talk about membership and that idea. Um, Mainly because in America, independence is celebrated even though it's not biblical. We struggle talking about belonging to the local body. It's harder than belonging to the big worldwide church because we talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? You got the, the, small, the local small body and you got the worldwide big body. Um, here's the deal. You can be a part of the big body all day long. You can stay in your underwear on a Sunday morning and be part of the big worldwide church. And a lot of people do that. I mean, they're, they're not in a church right now this morning. They're at home. 
and they're in their underwear, we should stop because that's going to paint a really bad image. We don't want to do that. But that's not what God desires. Because you can't live out redemption in your basement watching a pastor on TV. You can get blessed, no doubt about it, because there's some really good pastors on TV. And if all this is about is a sermon, we might as well do that, because that's why they're on TV and I'm not, because they're really good. But that's not where the message of redemption is carried out. That's, that happens here, iron sharpening iron. It's easy to believe the lie that we don't need the smaller church, but remember two points. If it was about individual salvation, Paul never would have finished his prayer in Ephesians 3.17, but he prayed for the church. And the only way for Jesus' power to redeem broken people from sin is for us to walk the journey together. Nothing gets the world's attention like very different people choosing to walk together in unity. I was thinking about this last night at the, at the Jake Hamilton concert, thinking about family and just God's heart as a father to use the church to just let the world know how much he loves them. And I was thinking back, I don't know how Sydney was when this happened, but she was hanging out with um, one of her friends is Jackson, and they were at, at the house. Jackson was hanging out for a day, and Sydney just was talking to Jackson, and I heard her go, that's my dad, and, and he's your dad too. I went, I'm Jackson's dad. Is there something I don't know? Like, wouldn't I know that, <laughs> right? But she's just like, because that's my dad, and if he's my dad, he's your dad too. And I love that. That should be what, that's what God wants to accomplish. You get that, right? He does not want to accomplish a coffee shop full of people who go, that's my dad, but ain't nobody else going to have him. That's not the message of the church. The redemptive message of the church is, he's my father, and he wants you too. That's what he's doing here. That's the redemptive soil that we have at this church. And I am flat out, without any shame, calling you to plant your roots at this church to, to say the gathering is where I put my roots down because I want to bear the fruit that I see coming out of this place you have to pray about that stuff right but I want this to be where you put your roots down and that's the only question that's left for you to deal with where does God want me to put my roots down and our prayer for you is that it would be here and that you would put yourself in soil right here and you would just say, God, here I am. Water me. Just help me grow right here. Bear fruit that's redemptive. Let's pray.